Welcome. You're listening to Gravity Healthcare Hacks with your host, Melissa Brown, Chief Operating Officer from Gravity Healthcare Consulting and self-professed healthcare nerd. Monthly, we will provide industry expertise and tips to help keep your feet firmly on the ground in the world of healthcare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast today. Is managed care episodic payment really terrifying? Our guest today, in many ways, needs no introduction as she is a stellar part of our consulting team at Gravity. As the Vice President of Home Health Operations, Devin Cassie leads our team of home health consultants to support new and existing home health agencies operate for success. Welcome, Devin. Hello, Melissa. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the kind introduction. Well, Devin, you certainly deserve it. So, you know, I want to get straight to our topic today. I think it's a pretty cutting edge one and one I think our audience is really going to be glad they tuned in to hear. What we're talking about today is a new approach in managed care of paying SNFs and home health agencies with an episodic payment rather than paying similarly to Medicare. Now, Devin and others on our team have actually had the opportunity to work for a large managed care payer, and they were actually part of their pilot for this episodic payment in home health, which we know is rolling out across Pennsylvania even as we speak. So, Devin, tell us a little bit more about when this happened and how you learned more about this episodic payment program. Yes, absolutely, Melissa. So what we're starting to see trend now is that managed care companies are starting to change their model from more of paying a per visit model for each type of visit, a certain amount of money. And they're transitioning to more of an episodic payment, which is a lump sum payment uh, made uh, specifically for um, a, a patient's diagnosis. And a couple additional factors that we'll get into throughout this podcast. Um, And when I'm generally saying episodic payment, I'm saying any visits that would be provided or any care that's provided to a patient, their medical supplies, any administrative costs such as mileage, documentation time, uh, meetings such as case conferences, this is all included in that episodic payment lump sum. Now, uh, myself and and a couple other members on our team uh, were lucky enough to be part of a pilot for a managed care uh, insurance company uh, that was looking to transition to episodic payments. Um, We've been a part of that for over the past couple of years, and now we're starting to see this roll out uh, across the state. And there are some differences between how Medicare is looking at the episodic payment uh, and versus how the uh, managed care company is looking at it. Uh, A lot of companies are starting to look into episodic payments versus paying per visit. So we'll kind of go into a little bit more detail as we move move throughout the podcast um, in regards to this. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot easier for them to do the episodic payment, but it creates unique challenges for us. So let's talk a little bit more about these managed care scorecards. I think a lot of us in SNF and home health, we're pretty familiar with the strategy. And we've been working with some sort of managed care scorecard or a ranking system over the last three to five years. Interestingly, at the time of this recording, there's actually a lot going on on the legislative side and the advocacy side against some of the AI that's being used. And the fact that, you know, if you're spending 1.2 seconds, on uh, a medical review of a claim, and that's definitely can't be done by a human, that's being done by AI, that doesn't really satisfy the requirement of being a sufficient and adequate clinical review of a case. So interesting to kind of see how that all plays out. But 
uh, how how do you think that you know the scorecard and the episodic payment? How is that different, or is it really just more of the same for, for providers? Um, it it is going to be a little different based on what insurance company is is looking for on their scorecards. I can tell you from our experience that one of the factors that is different versus receiving a quality measure scorecard or a patient survey scorecard from Medicare is you're going to have a ranking system. Uh, the insurance companies want to have a ranking system so they can show how you are comparing to other home health agencies in your region, in your state, and you can see how you're ranking with quality measures. Some of these are going to be similar to Medicare and some are not. Um, one of the ones that, that I've noticed that is different is whether or not a patient has seen their PCP within seven days of being admitted to home health. Um, also, too, the other one is total cost of care. Um, so they're looking at that patient's for, for the type of diagnosis they had in order to support them and get them through all the care that's needed. So if they went to the hospital, if they went to a skilled nursing facility, if they had home health, if they had outpatient therapy, what is the total cost of that care? And how do you rank amongst other home health agencies? They're also going to look at you specifically to home health. How much did it cost them for you to get through with a specific diagnosis for that patient on average. So um, they're really looking at total cost of care. Uh, the episodic payments, as we move into the futures, into the future, um, we're going to start to see them to look at episodic payments across all healthcare systems, that there is one large lump sum that could be going towards hospital skilled nursing, home health, outpatient therapy together. Um, and how are we manage, managing that? So collaboration amongst all, all healthcare lines is going to be absolutely key. So this is really kind of those beginning steps to be able to control the cost of care and ensure that we're not overutilizing uh, visits um, and, and the dollars that are being allotted through managed care services. Yeah, so it sounds like it's a lot of the same types of strategies that have been best clinical practice for a while have led to, you know, redu reductions in audits and denials and have been similar to a lot of what we've been dealing with with managed care payers over the last five to 10 years. But it sounds like it's really ratcheting up. And I think the pressure is building. What do you think? I definitely agree. Uh, you can see kind of post pandemic that we're starting to get back into uh, the, the insurance companies having a heightened focus on their payment models and what is going to be best in the future. Uh, they're, they're trying to capitalize on revenue that was lost throughout the pandem pandemic with um, providing increased healthcare services, increased medical supplies. Um, so they're looking at ways to cut costs um, and how to do that. And episodic model it is definitely a, uh, a way that uh, that can be in the future. Definitely. So let's kind of take a little step back and talk about something that I think might be a, a provider's interest, which is how do these managed co care companies get the data to establish this episodic payment? Does it require more work on the side of the agencies? And how can we as a home health agency or a SNF be sure that the information they're using in their scorecard or to determine payment is actually accurate? Uh, great question, Melissa. Uh, we Because we want to ensure that all the information they are getting is going to be accurate. And what we're seeing out there is, is that the insurance companies are requiring us to interface 
uh, with their systems into our EHR systems. And they're setting it up, their analytics in the background so that they're uh, to, to be obtaining data that is specific to their type of insurance uh, so that they can get the analytics directly from your EHR system. Um, it, you know, it happened while we were while we were in our pilot where there were some analytics on our scorecard that we believed were not accurate. Uh, and we did take that back to uh, the contact of our insurance company and they did look into it and go back and were able to determine that there were some configuration issues. So I highly encourage anyone who's out there, um, if you're seeing something that just doesn't look right on your scorecard, do not be afraid to question it. They are ranking you. They are taking this data and making decisions on what is going to be best for the next payment models. Uh, so we want to make sure they're getting accurate information so that uh, so that we can ensure that we're having accurate scorecards and we know where best to put our resources uh, to rank the highest. Yeah, don't take it lying down. Absolutely go after what you think you deserve and what your data shows and make sure that if they're trying to say something is other than what you think that you're able to push back and, and prove your point. I think that's a great uh, thing to point out to our, our listeners. And, you know, I, you mentioned this earlier. I completely agree with you. The ultimate goal really here for these managed care payers is to whittle down the number of agencies that the managed care payer accepts so that only the, in quotation marks here, best of the best from the managed care payers perspective are in network. You know, they're looking for lowest cost, highest return on investment, right? So the people that can do this for the least amount of money and still have really high quality, which really um, there's, there is a certain tipping point where you suddenly can't do it anymore. And I think we're getting closer and closer to that tipping point where you've either got to choose increasing or decreasing the payment or increase or increasing or decreasing quality. But I still think we're in that realm where you can really strive for good cost control and still have great quality if you are really the best of the best. So what do you think of their strategy to kind of whittle down the list and how wary of this should home health agencies be? Is this all really a big deal or is it kind of much ado about nothing and just, you know, more of business as usual? Yeah, it, it, it really is a big deal, Melissa. It, mm -hmm. It's no joke when they start to develop these scorecards. Uh, we saw it firsthand as, as we were going through um, the pilot and as this transition over to being the uh, appropriate paying model that they are eliminating home health agencies uh, for these specific insurance companies. They want to know that where their patients are going and where all their resources are going, that they are getting the highest quality of care. And, and shrinking the market. Uh, right now, there's still a significant amount of home health agencies out there across the country. Um, over the years, it's continuing to decrease, but there, there are still a lot of home health agencies out there that are not providing high quality care. They're not in it for the right reasons. And you know, this is part of why the insurance companies wanna get in there. They wanna have the data to support it um, and be able to point their patients in the right direction to be able to, to provide uh, to get them the the appropriate care, so it is it is definitely real, um, and I I see this in the future becoming uh, uh, more and more. Yeah, absolutely. I think unfortunately, if somebody is a single site agency or a very small local group, um, maybe if you're just confined to one state, it's really time to perk up 
and pay attention and figure out where you are and what you need to do. Because if you aren't dedicated to this, I guarantee you the big boys are, the big girls out there are, and they're just going to railroad right over the smaller providers, which um, can be unfortunate because I think we've both seen a lot of the smaller providers that provide exceptional care and really high quality to the patients. But if you don't have all those bells and whistles and systems in place to make sure that's all getting communicated correctly with the managed care pair and having that relationship with them, you could miss out on a real opportunity. So let's talk a little bit more about how the actual payment works. Uh, how the payment system works with episodic payment. So there's a base rate, right? And and how can you earn more than whatever that base rate is? Yes, uh, you're correct, Melissa. So, you know, they're, they're starting with a base payment. And you will notice that uh, if you're familiar with, with Medicare PDGM, uh, there will be some simul similarities. However, some of the insurance companies are starting to develop their own method methodology for that base payment and then how you're going to get more. Uh, so some of the similarities are, they're gonna be looking at obviously the primary diagnosis, um, functional impairment levels that are coming off the OASIS, uh, whether the person has high functional uh, impairment, low functional impairment, um, and then depending on the insurance provider, they may even consider those secondary diagnosis. However, not all of the ones that we have seen are considering all of these. Some of them are going off the primary diagnosis um, and just data from the OASIS um, that's coming specific to the patient. And depending on where that patient falls is going to increase that payment or decrease that payment. Um, and it's not necessarily on uh, how many disciplines they think are going to be in. So uh, you want to make sure uh, when you're getting and you know what this patient comes into your home health agency that you know um, generally what you're gonna be getting paid and you really have to manage your visits appropriately uh, so that you can remain a viable home health agency with those insurances. Yeah, I was looking at a recent episodic payment model for a local managed care provider, um, and it was the base model for SNF, base rate for SNF was $200 a day, which is below the Medicaid rate for the average patient right now. I mean, it's it's unthinkable. So if we're not dotting our I's and crossing our T's, whether it's the OASIS or the MDS, you know, those assessments have never been more important than they are now. And every data point matters because even if today it's not influencing payment, it very well could in the future. And you want to make sure every data point is accurate so that when they're determining how they're going to pay moving forward and making changes, they're making it based on accurate data for that individual patient. You know, I think some people think that this is just more of like Medicare QMs, but um is it really the same or do you think there's really big differences here between what's going on kind of with the scorecards and the episodic payment and what Medicare is trying to do with quality measures and value-based purchasing? Uh, there's definitely some similarities, um, but each one of these home or insurance companies is going to look specifically how it has impacted them over um, the past years, especially during the pandemic. How has this impacted them? And they're going to uh, specifically have those um, trigger points or target goals in there that they want to see out of, you know, specifically, you know, when you're looking at one that's definitely different from CMS is going to be that PCP. Um, did your patient 
uh, go to the PCP within seven days after being admitted. Um, they want to know that their patients are, are getting back there and that's falling on the home health agencies. Um, that is on our scorecards. Uh, we have to be, we have to ensure that, that what data points are specific for each insurance company that we're paying attention to them. Um, there's going to be overlapping similarities, but uh, I foresee in the future that each one of these, just like each one of these, uh, look at look at different healthcare uh, service lines and and how they look at quality of care and measures. It's it's going to be different. There's going to be one thing that it will be at least different for each one of them. For sure, and I think um, the 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 most strenuous part about it to me, or the stressful part about it to me, is that you know, these managed care pairs can change whatever they want, whenever they want. So I think it really comes down to, as you alluded to earlier, having that personal relationship with someone on the managed care pair side that you're, you're communicating with, you're getting together with, you're having meetings with at least once a quarter or something like that, so that you know when things are changing. When the target is moving, you know what it's moving to and what you need to make adjustments for to keep your payments where they ought to be and to make sure that they're accurate. So what do you, what would you suggest Devin, are the ultimate strategies for a home health agency to consider if they're finding themselves in this episodic payment regime with one or more managed care payers? Yeah, number one, I would focus on visit utilization. It's, um, you know, quality over quantity. Ensure that that the disciplines that are in treating the, treating the patients are the true disciplines that need to be in there. Uh, traditionally in home health, you see that they send um, from skilled nursing or from a hospital, they're going to say RN, PT, OT. <clears throat> Ensure that you need all of those services in with those patients. A lot of time we're overlapping on goals, um, you know, between therapy disciplines, especially specifically. Ensure that the right disciplines are in uh, and that we're not overlapping. Um, so may and, and make sure you're getting the most out of every visit. So it's it's not looking at how many visits somebody is getting, but what did we do every time we went out for a visit? Um, what patient education are we providing? Are we from day one planning for discharge? How are we going to get this patient to their goals? How are we going to get this these patients uh, to discharge safely? And then where are we discharging them to after that? Do they require outpatient therapy services? Do we need to look in uh, to private home care, uh, private, private home care services? Do we need to look into adult daycare? Is this a hospice appropriate patient? So we really from day one have to be looking at the future of these patients and what is going to be best for them. Um, you know, the other piece is really increasing uh, collaboration of care. And, you know, with this piece, I'm specifically talking between your home health agencies and any other areas that they may have come from. If they came from a skilled nursing facility, ensuring that we're getting all the information from, from that facility um, and communicating back to the skilled nursing facilities. We have to, in healthcare, increase our, our collaboration of care across all healthcare entities. Um, and then after that, uh, you want to make sure that whoever is part of that managed care um, insurance company circle, uh, that, that you are communicating with them, that you're paying attention to the emails, the phone calls, updates that you're getting. Do not ignore those. Be mm -hmm. quick with responding. Uh, they want to know that you're engaged and moving with them towards the future. Uh, and the people who are not are going to be left behind. Uh, over the next three to five years, we're going to really start to see an increase with this. 
and you want to be on the forefront with it. Well, your, your statement about being left behind, I think, is the perfect conclusion to this discussion because it is about either getting on board their train and moving forward with them or being left behind at the station. So thank you so much, Devin, for being here. I am sure our listeners learned a lot, as I did. Oh, thank you, Melissa. It's always a pleasure. And if you'd like to learn more about gravity, please don't hesitate to reach out to me directly. And you can always find Devin and I on LinkedIn. Please let us know how we can assist you. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed today's content, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Remember, it's not just what you know, but how you apply it that makes all the difference. See you next time.